Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. I always say evening, no matter what sort of, like, I start on WIP usually at 2 a.m. and I say evening, and then I'm like, hey, it's, you know, Friday morning. No matter what time I say fun and game, director of fun and games for the evening. I don't know. Most people listen to night, right? The, the weekend hockey games where JJ's always like, it's a great night for hockey. And then it's like, oh, afternoon. Well, he's probably talking about the games that are on after the Flyers. So it makes sense. <laughs> naturally, naturally. <laughs> uh, we have we have a pretty good show for you playing today. I don't know. It's nothing special. No, I think it'll be fun. Uh, season's approaching. And I don't know. Start to get that itch a little bit. I said in the chat last night, I was like, please put stuff in the outlines. I'm not in hockey mode. But then I got myself in hockey mode a little bit. Starting to look forward to the season. Uh, so let's lead it off as we always do with the introductions and start it out with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. So I wasn't sure what I was going to say to start off the show. Uh, it's September and they're, they're just, as soon as September hits, it feels like there's something different in the air like it's starting to cool down a little bit football is coming back hockey is starting to get ramped up again baseball is on its way to going away forever like they're just there seems to be something different about September and I'm really excited about it and also Charlie and I are wearing the same shirt <laughs> recording today I'm and so glad I you think that's that. very funny who wore it best we it's true. We we are both wearing the purple hockey fights cancer flyer shirt. So, and in an odd coincidence, Kelly Sponsored and I by Toyota. Kelly and I both wearing a Samoa Joe t shirt. So it's true. <laughs> it's not true, but it's funny. <laughs> Bill is though. To be clear, yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. Uh, from the Athletic dot com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, I don't really have much aside from the fact that. <laughs> The Flyers are coming back. You know, rookie camp is this week. Uh, on Thursday is the first day. And then there's going to be two rookie games in Allentown against the Rangers rookies. And I will be covering both. Uh, and I will be staying uh, the night, Friday night, in scenic Allentown. So, I mean, Ooh. back to traveling. You, you got to love uh, that that destination. I had a you great... You a White Castle post I, I had know, a right? great... I had a great burger in Allentown when I went for the AHL All-Star game. Uh, it was a bar right across the street from the rink. It was delicious. Can't remember what it was called, but it was awesome. Uh, last but... The, the, sorry, the arena up there is just beautiful. It is. That's it's very nice. P P P the press great. box... It's, it's in the middle of the city, and there's nothing around, but the arena's beautiful. Really nice, the press yeah. box is so spacious, especially if you're used to like that little alley that they put you in. In uh, the well, I haven't been to the Wells Fargo Center press box in forever, but is it still a little alley, Chuck, that you just have to squeeze into? 
it is not the most spacious in terms of space when you're sitting down. No, it's not like, let me put it this way. I've been in more cramped There's press worse. boxes. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not, you don't have the most space in the world. Last but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I'm starting off completely off topic because I'm curious about something. Chuck, where is the press box in Madison Square Garden? Because they have those weird, like, standing room seating on the seven bridge train. things up, up top. Where does the press sit? So the press box at MSG I actually love. Um, so basically you have the uh, the upper level of seats. And you get access to the press box basically by walking around that section. And then you go up a little bit. And then the press box is basically just like this big hanging thing. And it's awesome. It's an, it's actually oh, it's kind of like. Thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, oh. it's double, it's double layered. And my favorite part about it by far is that they literally have TVs in the like your desk area so you can like look down and watch replays like literally right next to your computer it's it's awesome that's fancy great press box so, but fuck the rangers well i mean it's it a is nice, a train station. it's a nice train station it's yeah, a pretty it's, nice train it's station. A tremendous train station it doesn't have a wawa uh but it's it's okay um i just want to take a moment before we actually begin you know the meat of the show to reflect on the show and us as a team, this is incredibly, uh, you know, self-gratifying here, but forgive me. Uh, we're about to begin our seventh season together. Um, I know. I know. Uh, our first episode as a team uh, was published on October 13th, 2016. It was a preview of the 16-17 season. So I wrote it out. So it's, it's This is seven right here, 22-23. Uh, our seventh season together as a team. Uh, we've been through, you know, Hackstall, Gordon, AV, Yo, and now we're on to John Tortorella. Uh, we've been through the pandemic. Oh my God. Yeah. No wonder we have PTSD. Yeah, like everyone's, oh, you're so negative. I'm like, okay, well, this is what we've been doing for seven years now. Uh, we've never had a good <laughs> do, do people? No. Do people actually say that you're too negative? Yes. See, it, yeah. it, it's funny because it's. If I, I mean, if, if 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 I get anything, it's that I'm not negative enough. It's. I mean, it's like nine out of ten agree with me, and then one troll is like, "Oh, so, and we're gonna get into this one thing I got on Twitter a little bit later." But yeah, I do get it a little bit. But we've been through a pandemic, a CBA extension, somehow without a lockout, uh, a bunch of draft and festivist parties, four missed playoffs. Two first-round exits and the bubble. Uh, we went to Vegas, shout-out fans of Philly, a week after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Uh, we went Ooh. through Hextall to Chuck. We're counting down to the third general manager. It's just a matter of time. We're closing in on our 300th episode of Just BSH Radio, the flagship show as a team. Uh, we started at 79, uh, the four of us, and this is episode 371. Uh, not to mention all the other content we've done together, solo or, you know, as a team. We've got over 1,300 episodes uploaded to the pod feed. Uh, and we had a Patreon. The count doesn't include any of that because it was just exclusive to the Patreon. Uh, and I got to say, I still love this show. Uh, I'm really proud of how many other Flyers podcasts have launched since we started. 
thankful for everyone who listens to us, even in the fucking offseason, and even when we're as pessimistic about the out- outlook for this team as we are. Uh, I'm just uh, proud of the community we've helped curate. I'm actually looking forward to covering this season, even though I think the team is as bad as it's been over the last seven seasons. But, you know, maybe they'll surprise us. I'm, I'm like Saying I'm not in hockey mode last night actually put me in hockey mode, and... Man, seven fucking seasons. It's pretty impressive that we've done this, and uh, we don't all hate each other. (laughs) It's still, I'm happy to see when, like, I hear the little doorbell on Zoom. I'm like, oh, hey, look, it's Charlie joining us. What's up, Chuck? Yeah, even Charlie. I even enjoy talking to Charlie. Uh, (laughs) I'm just, I I, I just wanted to, just wanted to give everyone their flowers before we start. Yeah, well, I'll I'll give a a little, uh, a little funny tidbit from that first show. Because I, I actually, I'm not even sure if you guys remember this, but the original plan for the flagship Broad Street Hockey Show was that I was not going to be a full time member of the podcast. It was going to be because Steph and uh, Steph and Bill were coming over from Sons of Penn, and yeah, Kelly was deal. Kelly was going <laughs> to be on every podcast. And the original plan was that I was going to be on the very first one, and then I was going to come on occasionally. Like, maybe to do, like, a segment of, you know, hey, like, this is what I've seen around the team or whatever. But I came to do the first show, and I think part of the reason why it was originally going to be just be three people is because we thought that four people would have been too much. It would be too many people, too unwieldy. And we got to the first show, <laughs> and we all kind of looked at each other, and we're like, this works. Like, does everybody agree that this works? And kind of like, yeah, it does. Like, all right, I guess I'm on the podcast full time, too. It's... It's incredible because Charlie doesn't even work here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, I was so, when Charlie told us that he got hired, I was simultaneously so happy for him and terrified that he wasn't going to be able to do the podcast anymore because this is my favorite thing. And the four of us together is what makes it so good. And losing any of us would make it not as good a show as it has been. I feel like we threatened Charlie with bodily harm if he left us. I'm I'm pretty sure that happened. I mean, kudos to Charlie um, with like practically the first thing he did at his brand new fancy job at the athletic was make sure that he could still do his podcast. Yeah, I negotiate that into my contract. Yeah. Fucking great. And and here so we he are. Still hang out with his friends. Here we are on the precipice of a like 22-23 season. Our seventh together. It's just it's just wild how much everyone's life has changed, and like we're still doing this. And I'm really excited to get over the past. I'm sorry. Over the past seven years, we've all bought houses. Mm-hmm. Two for Bill me. Has gotten married. <laughs> Two for you too. Two for Kelly. Well, in fa- Two for me. In fairness, I have not officially made the purchase yet. That happens later. Yeah. We're we're close. We're though. close. We're close. Practically there. We're close. We've had one international move. We've had one national move. Uh, you crossed the Mason-Dixon line. You basically moved to another country. I did. We've, we've suffered alongside every single listener, and we have celebrated that one three-month stretch where the Flyers were actually good together. And... I, I, when I put this show together, when we came over from Sons of Penn and Bill and I were a package deal, um, we had already been recording together, what, for two, three years? A while, yeah. So, so Bill and I are coming up on like our 10 year anniversary. (laughs) 
Um, I haven't seen him physically in, in two years. <laughs> um, I, nev- I never, I never expected us to still be here at this point in time. I don't think I expected the world to exist seven years later, if we're being really honest. But what we've been able to accomplish is, is definitely something that, we're, that I'm super proud of. Um, no matter what the comments say about me personally as a, as a co-host, I don't give a shit. I'm still here and I, I'm not going anywhere because these are three of my best friends in the world. And if I can't talk weekly about how this hockey team makes me want to light things on fire, then I don't know how to be a hockey fan. (laughs) I just don't know how to be a hockey fan. And that's what this show is for me. Yeah, we follow the team, but also this is my fandom. So uh, basically, basically, as we finished recording last week is when the uh, Tortorella serious concerns, quote, started to make their rounds on the old social media platforms. And I'm pretty sure they were from the day before, but like they put out, you know, they put out the tweet with, you know, the I do have serious concerns about the locker room and everything. So I want to get into a little bit of that to start, just because, you know, we all made our comments on Twitter, uh, but eh, we got to talk about it here. It's not, like, uh, Bill Meltzer was right in that, you know, he tried to throw a little cold water on it saying, it's this is nothing new. But there was the new element of, since I've been around the team, since I've been talking about the players, like, it's no fucking secret that there's locker room issues, that there needed to be a culture change, that the effort and just everything last season was not right, and everything for the last two years has been falling apart in the organization. But now Tortorella is inside. He's talked to the guys. He's met with them. He's seen how, the, how everything functions. It's been months since he was hired, and he's reiterating these serious concerns. Um, that is a little, I don't know, cause for alarm. Because once, like, I know all this. I, a, a, any person who's had a modicum of interest in this team for the last two years knows all this. Uh, but it, it's interesting he's saying it out loud now, right? Like, okay, I I've been so. around and I, uh, this locker room's in shambles. That's why it was surprising to me, mostly because not only is it coming from the inside now, but it seems like most of the Flyers have been in town doing Flyers things for, like, quite a while now. And I kind of thought that whatever locker room bullshit was lingering, even after Claude Drew left, and of course it was all his fault, but... I kind of expected that they would like shape themselves up just like with Tortorella there, like just him being present would make them less shitty. But him saying it so emphatically makes me believe that like, no, they're all just acting exactly the same way as they did before. And that seems like a problem. Uh, Maybe it's not so much that they're acting shitty as it is like he sits down and has an honest conversation with Cam Atkinson who he knows from a previous, you know, stop. And Cam is just straight up with him, like, oh yeah, here are the problems. Maybe he talks to Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes and Scott Lawton and guys who've been here for an extended period of time, and they're all like, yeah, things are fucked up. Like, it could be that and not so much 
them just being dickheads to the coach, you know, a week into him being around. <laughs> and I, it's totally possible. Anything's on the table with this team. Like, I'm just saying, like, maybe it isn't so much, oh, yeah, I went into the locker room and they all fucking hate each other, as everyone, every veteran has told me there are, there are culture problems here. Okay. Yeah. So actually, I'm gonna, that was sense. my read on the situation. Sorry, Kelly, okay. I think I cut you off. Um, yeah, that was my read on the situation. Like, there are some serious problems here, but, like, we're here to fix them. We're here to work on them. I've identified them, and, and it's concerning, but. Like, that's how I read the comments. I read the comments as John Tortorella, John Tortorella saying, yeah, I see what you guys have been talking about. This shit sucks. Like, this is bad. That's how I read it. Okay, so I'm going to jump in here because I do think... And I understand why, because quite frankly, everyone that follows this team is just ready to, like, when something negative comes out, to just be like, literally, the world is on fire, and these guys fucking hate each other. Like, that really isn't true. This is not this is not the Winnipeg Jets where everybody fucking hates each other, where it's a total disaster, but there are problems. I mean, I think a couple of the, a couple of things that are legitimate issues. Number 1, there absolutely is an issue with accountability in that room. There ha- there has been for a while. Like the that that's why I think like this is it's a little bit more nuanced than just being like oh they all hate each other but there's an there's absolutely an accountability issue on a lot of levels number one I do think that we've heard about this a lot over the last two three years about how tight this room is and I think that's honestly kind of true in the sense that it's part of the problem anything, yeah if anything these guys for the most part like each other too much too and much. no yes. no one is actually willing to kind of hold someone's feet to the fire. And then I will. Then I'll do it. The problem is, is that a couple guys that do, namely, a, a, there's one defenseman on this team who, to his credit, has been willing to call people out of the room. Then isn't necessarily good at it when other people point out when he's messed up. So there's, I mean, literally, Kevin. We could just say it's Ivan Provorov. Kevin, I mean, We've look, been critical. Look, Kevin Hayes straight up said in his availability earlier this week, he basically said, if you try to hold people accountable and then you don't hold yourself accountable, no one's going to listen to what you had to say. And Ooh. I mean, I I have a feeling I, I know what that was directed at. Maybe not. It was, it, maybe it wasn't entirely directed at Ivan Provorov, but like it's it's undeniably like what's what's happening in that room is that some people aren't willing to call anyone out. And the people who are sometimes aren't willing to accept when they've messed up and they get called out. So everybody just kind of is like walking around on eggshells a little bit. I think that's true. Number two, I do think that the last couple years, there has been a bit of a conditioning problem. I don't think, I think guys think they're in better shape than they are. But in reality, they could be preparing a lot better for seasons. And that, again, ties itself in with the accountability problem, where if you don't have someone who's willing to be like, hey, you know, maybe you should have showed up to camp in a little bit better shape because what the fuck, dude, then 
people are just going to continue to maybe not show up to camp in great shape. And then maybe that's, that could possibly play into the injury thing. Like there, that's what I, I was about to say. There's no way. And like, listen, it's a fucking contact sport. There's a frozen rubber disc flying around. There's maniacs like Rasmus or Stalinen who are just looking to catch you with your head down. Like injuries are going to happen, but yeah, there's no way. There's no way a team has this sustained injury problem without conditioning being somewhat of an issue. And and they're not they're not trauma injuries. Like these are conditioning injuries. This core muscle shit is because you weren't ready to go. I mean not like, always, but look, I look, in the end a, a player We're not training the right everything, way. Everything yeah, doing everything they can to kind of tip the odds of not getting hurt in their favor and I think that over the last few years that maybe hasn't happened with with some guys. Not saying everybody. I'm just saying that on the whole, this team I think could be in better condition, and they haven't been for the last couple of years. And I think we've seen it on the ice. And Tortorella is going to come in and he's going to put a stop to that. I think. I mean, at the very least, he is going to make it make this camp hell. And they all know it. I mean, they know. Oh, you, you, you want that's you the know consensus. Why, oh, you want to know why everybody's back in town already? It's because Tortorella basically told everybody, I strongly encourage everyone to be back in town early. <laughs> and like every single interview, every single player availability, every comment has included, we are ready for an extremely hard camp. We are ready to be pushed. We know like this is going to be the coach trying to, it, it, it's something that happened to us in high school. Like, we would always come in completely out of shape and you know it would the coaches would go let's make them throw up today like that's <laughs> I, I, that's what's going to happen and i do think that kind of feeds into maybe some of provorov's issues listen we all have our issues with provorov on the ice no one can dispute how hard that motherfucker works like oh, this 100%. could be yeah. this could be the camp where he kind of this could be a great opportunity for him to kind of take charge and kind of prove what he is and prove to the coaching staff he's ready to take a next step and everything. Like, I, I can see him getting on the right side of the coaching staff because, you know, he's been pushing tires up mountains like Rocky yeah. Four all offseason. <laughs> uh, like, I, I just... I'm looking forward to hearing the reports from this camp and how how hard Tortorella is on this team. I really, really am. No, I, I, I and really going do back to throw up. Yeah, but going back to Provo, like, no one disputes how hard he works. And no one disputes yeah. that he's a talented right. player. It's just that, I mean, there have been some issues in the locker room with him. In, and, and, like, not everyone on a hockey team has to be friends. Like, no. it's fine if some guys don't like each other. They just, it just can't, like, it can't be a bigger issue than that. And when, when, the, well, look, when a team loses, those sort of things are going to get bigger because yeah, everybody's yeah. pissed off. Because no one likes to win. No one likes to lose. Like, that's what it comes down to. So, you know, if the team were to start winning, I'm sure that wouldn't matter as much because on some level, everybody in the team knows that Ivan Prover, when he's playing his best, is a damn good hockey player. And everybody would love him to get back to that to that point. But it gets harder when you're not playing that well and then you're kind of in denial that you're not playing that well. Yeah. And I just... um. Like in terms of the accountability thing, this is it, it, again, it's it's nothing new. We've from from an outside perspective, we've all said there's clearly no accountability here. And last season, like just getting to the like uh, last season, I said, isn't it kind of fucked up 
that the locker room isn't more toxic? Like, after the last two years, shouldn't shouldn't guys kind of hate each other? Like, shouldn't Carter Hart be flipping out after every fucking game? Like, shouldn't he be like, it, it shouldn't take five tries to make one breakout pass? Like, it should, there should be some, there should be more animosity in the locker room because of how bad things have been. And you guys all laughed at me because the way I worded it, like, it's bad that they don't hate each other. Or the, like, yeah, I, that is a funny concept. But it does speak to the idea of that walking on eggshells and nobody holding each other accountable because they're closer friends than they are, like, co-workers. Yeah, maybe we should be like the Winnipeg Jets. Just like, maybe they should all hate each other. Just like 10% more, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know what I think would be funny if they turned into the Ottawa Senators... God damn the it. The year that they were all making fun of the team in the cab. <laughs> and the Flyers were the only team worse than them at the penalty kill. Uh, at all oh, yeah. time, at all time, great. Just the, maybe the height of hockey social media right there. That was um, a really fun day. On the, the, the one so, thing I do, I do worry a little bit about. And, and as I said, I don't think this is a case of the locker room is broken and they all hate each other and all that stuff. But I do think that there are issues. And it it concerns me, and and I'm saying this in the like with the under the guise of basically being like, if the Flyers want to be good, we can talk about whether yeah. that's actually you know a possibility or whatever. But last season, going you know let, let's let's turn the clock back twelve months. All right, by Joker. the end of by the end of the 2020-21 season, the, the the season that was shortened because uh, you know because it started in January or whatever, the entire team basically had lost faith in Elaine Vino. And Chuck Fletcher made the decision that if he improved the roster and he built a team that could do what Vino wanted them to do, that that issue could resolve itself. And the team would regain faith in Vino, regain faith in its system. He didn't need to make a coaching change because Vino was a good coach and it would all work itself out. Well, as we learned, it didn't. The team was real bad again, and they had to fire. <laughs> I do worry a bit that, you know, you have these locker room issues. You have, you know, kind of some disconnects in the room. And Chuck Fletcher, again, really didn't do anything. Like, he didn't really get rid of anyone. He didn't make any sh big shake-up trades to address the problems in the room. And I do wonder if we could be in store for kind of a redux of the Vino situation where Fletcher is just kind of hoping it's going to resolve itself. And if it doesn't, shit could get bad again. Like, he's thinking, well, Tortorella is going to come in and change things. Well, is that that dissimilar than what he thought last summer, which was, well, we're going to get Cam Atkinson, and we're going to get Rasmus the line, and they're going to change the culture of the room, and we're going to bring in, you know, bring in Nate, Tom Nate Thompson, and he's going to make sure they listen to the everybody listens to the coach again. Like, there are some similarities here in terms of, like, there being an issue that is real, and we're just kind of hoping that it's going to fix itself. I well, will Chuck say... Doesn't, Chuck doesn't do anything mid-season anyway, so it doesn't matter. That's the that's what I was going to say here. Like, there is an aspect of, okay, let's give them this new coach, let's give them this, this do-over, because everything has basically been fucked since the pandemic. You know? Let's give them this. 
Uh, and now, if they're still the exact same thing, if they're the same team with the same problems, if there's the same culture issues, one, Chuck doesn't get another coach, you know? Yeah. He's he's out of here. You don't get yeah. three coaches. That doesn't happen. Not when you've had zero success. Um, he then, I believe, has... The players no longer have any benefit of the doubt, and he has carte blanche to sell anything and everything that isn't bolted down for pennies on the dollar. Like, just blow it the fuck up. Then, now, as Kelly said, he's been real reluctant to do anything at all. Like, I mean, even at this trade deadline, when it was a sell, 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 you know, they held on to, like, Martin Jones, you know? Like, or did they? Did they trade Martin Jones? I don't remember. No, they kept... They kept Jones. Yeah, yeah, they kept the one Martin guy they, Jones. I mean, in fairness, he was the one guy they kept. Like, they pretty much he was, traded yeah. away all the other aspirings. I, I, I know, I know. They it, traded away like, Justin Braun, and they got him back. Hey. Yeah, it's, no, they, they got rid of Braun. God bless. We need Justin Braun on this team. They got rid of Braun. They got rid of G, two things you absolutely had to do. But Broussard, they traded him. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was I on the team. I forgot, too. I forgot about him completely. He had that, like, remember how I... good he was at the beginning of the year? Like, he yeah. was incredible till he got hurt. I had something to say about them having to trade Claude Giroux. I've decided that they didn't. And I decided uh. that maybe four weeks after they traded. Not even that long. They didn't have to. They didn't have to. Why? No, they didn't have to, and and it I didn't mean, make any sense to if you're not rebuilding. It was like a, a dumb thing to do. If they, if they were just going to run it back again, which we've seen, that's exactly what they did. They didn't need to trade. Yeah, I happened. do believe. I do not want to have a serious. Oh well, he was the captain. I don't want to have that conversation. But but if, who is going to be captain? D- <laughs> Charlie, yes, do you have any thoughts on this? Thank you, Steph. <laughs> It's no. as as Kelly as Kelly pointed out so aptly. It's your mom. Um, <laughs> uh, that's not directed at you. That I've done that before to someone whose mother passed away, and it feels horrible every time. Uh, I just decided to let it go. It was, I wasn't. I wasn't. When I did it to a, even be like my mom. When I did it to a buddy in like high school, it was way more recent. Uh, it was uh, still a fresh. I was like, "Ooh, this is the worst thing I've ever said," and I've said bad I shit say it, before. I yeah. say it to uh, my uncle about anyway. my mom, who is also dead. <laughs> I get, he gets at your mom all the time. <laughs> anyway, if you're going to have this cultural change that they believe they need, I am not blaming the locker room issues on Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux is one of the best players in this franchise's history, and there's no disputing that. He single-handedly basically put them in the playoffs or in playoff contention every year of his tenure, uh, you know, post-Richards and Carter trade. Um, that said, if you're going to change things, if it was time to move on. That's It, it was time for everyone to go, it ain't working. It's no one's, I mean, it's the organization's fault. It, but it was just time to move on. I do think they had to do it. And yeah, his no movement clause complicated things and his salary complicated things, but it was just time. It was never going to happen. It's a damn shame, but it was never going to happen. And it was just time. It was the best move for Claude Giroux. It was the best thing for Claude Giroux. It was not the best thing for a team that was going to run it back under the guise of um, 
rebuilding. Yeah. It's a retool. Uh, yeah, the, an aggressive retool. retool. Yeah, it's a retool, Charlie. <laughs> My bad. My bad. It's a retool, Charlie. Yeah. All right, we're going to take oh a quick God. break and be back on the other side with more uh, lollipops and rainbows about this Flyers team. All right, welcome back, fam. Uh, here we are talking about these Flyers as uh, rookie camp approaches. It's, uh, it starts tomorrow, uh, Thursday, or if you're listening on Thursday, today. Uh, and you know, we've heard a lot of comments come out from players as everyone's you know, made their way back to town. They've met with the media. You know, and we've heard a very, we've, we've heard a lot of similar sentiments. You know, I said earlier, like, everyone's ready to go through, you know, hell week. Basically, like, training camp is going to be real, real hard. Uh, and good. If nothing else, I want to see this team punished, you know? Even if they're 0% better, I want them to be as uncomfortable as possible. Just for, like... They owe it to me. The organization owes me to make this team feel some pain. Uh, so I'm looking... F- if it's not like Navy SEAL training, yes, exactly. I'm not interested. Exactly. I'm not interested. Uh, and on top of the how hard camp is going to be, we're hearing very similar sentiments, like Atkinson saying, it's going to be a different year. Hayes and Couturier, you know, we're out to prove everyone wrong. We're healthy. We're good to go. Everyone's down on us. The us against the world mentality. It is a tried and true trope. In, uh, in all pro sports, you know, the New England Patriots are like, no one believed in us. Like, are you fucking serious? Like, every team, every team does the disrespect thing. But, truly, nobody believes the Flyers are any good and they're out to quote-unquote prove everyone wrong. I hope they do. I have my doubts. Uh, are we too down on, like, if these guys are healthy, if Tony D'Angelo, like I've said many times, there's a world in which Tony D and Ivan Provorov, yeah, I think that's a real good second pairing and not a top pair, but there's a world in which those two are a really strong complement to each other, at least on the ice. Um, Carter Hart could just take another step forward, and when you have a good goalie, a lot of bad shit doesn't matter. Are we too down on this team right now? So when I read this on the outline, I was like, huh, maybe we are. And I, I know I'm doing, I know that like subconsciously I'm doing the thing. It's September. I'm yep. getting ready to, to say they're going to win the Stanley Cup. This is Kelly optimism season. Um, the Green Day guy's is. asleep and Kelly Flyers fan is awake. <laughs> but I'm wondering, okay, so here's the thing. We're, I don't think anyone, us included, most fans, is looking at this team in an objective way. And like, fair enough. No. 100%. Because they've been dog shit, like the worst we've ever seen in two, for two, the last few years. So, like, objectivity kind of goes out. Yeah, it kind of goes out the window when you're looking at this kind of thing. But I do feel like on paper stuff does still matter. And on paper, none of these players over the course of their career have been as bad as they were the last two years. So, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this team is good. Stanley Cup good, you know, Colorado Avalanche good, Tampa Bay good, no. But they could be good. Like, they could. What's good? They are, Like a wild card. Are they better than the Rangers? No. It depends on their stupid goaltender. 
That's like literally That's the like, only thing with them. If the go- if, he, if he continues being like this, then no, they're not better than. than but they also players. have like they also have a player who's better than anyone on the Flyers roster in Artemi. They like, sure do. Yes. Sure. I'm just That's like true. when we say okay, they're not Colorado, they're not Tampa Bay. Like okay, nobody is. Those are fucking all star teams. They're not so the when best I team in the division. Yeah. But when I look at good, I'm like, all right, what about these middle tier? Like, are they better? And Washington has problems. Are they better than Washington? Are they better than Pittsburgh? No. So, so here's the thing, though. But but answering that question, you're answering that question. I'm going to get roasted so hard for this. You're answering this question based Good. off of the last two years. Like, it is possible. But, I mean, that's, that that's, in a that's a lot of use the data. That's a available. long stretch of time. <laughs> I know. But it is possible that this group of players could be better than a Pittsburgh Penguins Bottom five team, team with a <laughs> with a declining core. I don't know. I'm just saying I I do think that you you could make a case that we are we are two down on the team. So I agree in theory. Like there is a case to be made that we are too close to the team to see it objectively. There, like, there is a case to be made. But I think, or I know, what I'm getting stuck on here is Kevin Hayes saying everyone is healthy. Well, says who? Like, are you actually healthy? I don't know. And I won't know until I see That's you fair. play. And, and, like, and I don't know what that means. And are they? Because Joel Farabee's still yeah. recovering from injury. Ryan Bobby Ellis Brink. is right. wherever Ryan Ellis is. He's not and that's like, Ryan Ellis is in Narnia, and he's having a great time. No, and we're talking like Bobby Brink, who's probably gonna would have factored in as a middle six forward and one of their better ones because it's a team of middle six forwards. But he's one with like some upside that we like. Uh, Joel Farabee, who pencil in on a top line, and Ryan Ellis, who was the key to the entire off season last year. Um, it was. These guys are all hurt already. It's really Couturier and Hayes. That's what we're talking about. The 1C yeah. and 2C yeah. is, are healthy. But there is a case to be made. Like, there is a case to be made that, all right, we're, air quotes, retooling. But there is a case to be made that, all right, well, these guys have played together for a while now. And they have chemistry. And we're going to try to maximize on that like there is a case to be made but also we have so many years of data saying that this doesn't work it doesn't work and also shit I forget what I was gonna say oh no I remember now so like (laughs) all right let's say let's say everything goes right goes perfectly with this team and you guys talked about this last week they're not a cup yeah. contender like period they're probably they're not, not the a best playoff we can hope for the best we can hope for is a bubble wild card spot like i just don't that's the best that this team can do and that's literally yeah. where we were when we started this seven seasons ago guys like yeah <laughs> exactly we've no, been in the same I like spot i don't like that. i i think i think that to me is and and that probably partially is driving the pessimism is that We've talked about this a couple times this summer, is that the best thing for this team actually might be for them to be real bad this year. And if they're not, 
if they're good, which is possible, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's probable, but it's possible. And there's a pathway for them to be a good team, which basically th- that pathway to me is D'Angelo works, which again, I, it, I think D'Angelo working is probably about a 50-50 proposition. I, I do not think it is. As I, are I, all things. Yeah, but but like, well, yeah, you, you say that all the time, and it, every time you say it, I wince because it's such an utterly ridiculous statement. D'Angelo working, I do think, is actually about a 50-50 proposition. I can envision it possibly working where he forms a good partnership with Provorov, and he helps the power play to the point where it's at least not God-freaking-awful, and his defensive issues don't matter that much because Provorov covers for them. I could also see it being a disaster where him and Provorov don't get along and he's a defensive wreck and the power play doesn't get better and they trade him. I could see that happening too. But if You know, I haven't thought of the idea I haven't thought of the idea of trading him, but the two year at five minutes like it is possible to move Tony D'Angelo. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. It is possible. Yeah, they could trade him. Um if D'Angelo works, that's number one. And then number two, like this roster, in theory, especially if a few of the prospects that they have that are close to the NHL, if a few of them pan out and make an early impact as above-average NHL players, this roster could potentially be very deep. Now, yes, they are probably going to partially blow it because Nick Deloria is going to play 82 games because they need that physical presence, and that's yes, going to drag down the fourth too. line. But but in theory, they this could be a team that could roll four pretty good lines and could have three pretty good defensive pairings. And if you roll that kind of depth with a good coach, which John Terrell, I believe, is, who has them playing committed two-way defensive hockey, you can win a fair amount of games. And they could make the playoffs with that. They could. They could make the playoffs basically using the Columbus Blue Jackets blueprint, you know, Without an Artemi Panarin, but like they have, they did, yeah. they did it one year. They did it one year without Panarin too, and they're they did. pretty good. They did, yeah. So, yep, yep. so that could happen, and that is a plausible outcome that I do not think is completely ridiculous. The problem is, is that if all of that happens, is that actually a good thing for the long term? And I don't think it is because they have no clear path to getting the kind of players that will allow them to get any better than just that. Like, I do not, like, it's, it would not be a great thing. I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing because, hey, it's winning hockey. You're getting to see some playoff games. Even we if have to watch it. The first round. Yeah. But, like, yeah, we have to watch it. So, like, it would be better than, than being awful for another decade. <laughs> but, like, what's their ceiling? Their ceiling is being the Columbus Blue Jackets from 2016 through the year when, the last year they were decent. And, like, I, yeah, I guess that's okay, but we want to see them win a championship. And I don't know how this plan executed to the way that they're trying to execute it, how that gets them into that level, other than, as I've said, just getting real, real lucky with the draft by drafting 14th through 20th overall every year. So, like, that's the reason for my pessimism. My pessimism isn't driven by the fact that I think it's impossible for them to be pretty good. I think it's very possible they could be pretty good, it's just that if they're pretty good, they'll never that be any better. Real, that they're never going to get any better than pretty good, yeah. and that's not good. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, <laughs> well, that's good. Now, uh, so I wanted to get into Chuck's offseason a little because I said earlier, like, yeah, I mostly get people who agree with me on how bad the team is, and I think you guys are, 
you know, at least somewhat on board there. I did get a tweet, um, because I, I, I criticized, you know, the Kevin Weeks thing, uh, on social media, and I said, like, they did basically nothing to improve the team, blah, 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 and I got a tweet from some loser saying, it must suck to be so, yeah, it must suck to be so negative because I look at adding a top four D-man and a top four coach is doing nothing to improve the team, uh, and I do. Because, one, you said top four D-man. You know why? Because he's not a fucking top pair defenseman. And when I have a B average, when I have a B average, and I get a B on a test, you know what that does to my average? Keeps it exactly where it is. The Flyers have a whole bunch of second pair defensemen, and they brought in another one. Like Also, like, John Tortorella, top four coach, that's a... Uh, top tier, not top four, excuse me. Um, oh, okay. Tier. Okay, I can see that. And, like, that's another thing. John Tortorella is, you know, going to the Hall of Fame, highly regarded coach. He's going to bring accountability. He's going to do all these things that we've talked about. He hasn't had a ton of success in, like, 20 years. Nope. You know, he won the, he won the last cup before the lockout. Uh, he's been the coach of... You know, mostly hard-working teams that outperform expectation. Okay. Uh, he hasn't been awesome. It's not like he's in the Final Four every year. Like He's he's done a good enough job with a few teams. And, like, a bad job with the Canucks. You know? Like, uh, is he a top-tier coach? I just had a really funny thought. Like, John Tortorella is so perfect for the Flyers in every way. Like, this entire organization is filled with people who were good before the lockout. (laughs) (laughs) No one that can do anything post-lockout. Beat the Flyers. Beat the Flyers in, like, one of their most exciting playoff series ever. (laughs) Like, and that was in 2004, you know? I, I, I just, like, are we, but... You know, we've liked some of Chuck's off-seasons prior, and then ultimately were disappointed in the outcome of many of those seasons. Are we, again, like, too down? Like, is adding D'Angelo and Tortorella bigger than we're making it out to be? No. Like, even, because I'm I'm with you in that I do think that it's, I might say more than 50-50, maybe like 60-40, that D'Angelo improves Provorov, and that's a solid a solid pair. Like, that is good, but, like, it's not that good. It's not Ryan Ellis good, and Ryan Ellis is dead. So... What if he comes back? Is this so, team... I'm just... I know. I know. I know. Oh, God, you know what would... You know what would be so good? Uh... Ellis Provorov, Sanheim, D'Angelo. Oh. And then... Tortorella would never Risto, allow such a thing. <laughs> and then Risto, uh, York, I guess, on the bottom. Like, oh, that would be good. That would be a good defense. It would be a good defense. If, if they if could get... Happened, that would if, be they, good. if they get the Nashville Ryan Ellis back, that would be a legitimately good defense. I think that guy's definitely dead. We might get, like, you know... <laughs> 70, 75% of National Ryan Ellis becomes back. Um, we were talking about the injuries earlier. And Kevin Hayes, I heard, I saw a clip of, uh, you know, Martitas's Flyers Daily where he's talking to Hayes. And Hayes made a point to say, like, he's talking about being healthy and how he was last year and everything. And he didn't feel like, you know, 
the worst thing in the world is not being able to help your team win or not being with them when, you know, you lose. Like, you don't feel a part of the team. Uh, so he just wanted to get out there all the times he did, even though he was clearly hurt, uh, just to try to be more part of the team. And I respect that. But he did But he did make a point to say, nobody forced me back. I made all the decisions on my own. To which I screamed at my phone, we know and that's the problem. That's like, the at problem. some point, at some point, the professional athlete who believes in his self more than anything and believes in competing more than anything is going to lie to you and say, I can play when you don't even need to be a medical professional. You just need to have watched him skate one shift and said, he shouldn't be out there. He's not hurt. He's not playing hurt. He's playing injured. Like, that's a thing. That's part of the accountability that seriously needs to change. Uh, yeah. You can't let yeah. these guys make these decisions. Never. Yeah. They're they're always going to say they're fine. Broken foot. They're going to say, "No, I can get out there." And in their and in their stupid professional athlete minds, they definitely believe, even with my broken foot, I'm going to make the team better. Get me out there. And all right, cool. That's what makes you a professional athlete. But yeah, there needs to be an adult in the room to say no, you're going to hurt the team. You're going to hurt yourself. Go sit down. Chemo Tiemann risked his life with blood clots to win a cup with Chicago. These guys are fucking mental cases. Yep. There's no, t like, you have to take the decision out of their hands. When, I, when Kevin Hayes said that, I was like, one of the major things that needs to change here is allowing these dudes to do this constantly. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, that's what I was saying when... Yeah. Kevin Hayes is saying they're all healthy. Are you? Well, are you, bro? Uh, like, Couturier was, like, Couturier's been cleared. And, like, because that's a medical procedure he had, and there's rehab steps, and it's something that gets checked on. Like, I just feel like Kevin Hayes, at a certain point, it was just like, I'm feeling pain, but it's hockey. I'm gonna feel pain so I can play. It was like, no, no, you can't. Like, look at you out there. Watch tape of yourself and tell me you look like you should be on the NHL right now. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just a fact. Like, I think, honestly, part of the reason why Hayes probably came back the first couple times is that, you know, you never, he's never obviously had this injury, this surgery before. And I think his thing, you you hear from other people around the league that like, well, you have to loosen it up and it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck for a while. You're going to play yourself back into shape. And I think his thought process was like, well, maybe this is just the new normal and I got to learn how to deal with it. And he, it was, he was in more pain than he should have been, but he didn't know that because he'd never been in this pain before. And yeah. he was playing awful. But he's like, well, I guess I just got to keep trucking along and hopefully one day I'll wake up and I'll start feeling better. And he never did. And then they found out he actually had this infection that was the cause of the additional discomfort, got that fixed. And then, you know, one thing I did learn the more I dove into his season when I did a season review earlier this summer is that I kind of poo-pooed a little bit the idea that he was a lot better after he came back uh, in March and April. And the more I looked at the numbers, like, no, he actually was. Like, oh he, wasn't God, yeah. he wasn't fully back, but, like, no. he went from being about a 40% expected goals guy during that first 20-game stint that he tried, he tried to come back, and then he jumped up to, like, a 47-48% guy, which was about the same as the team. And, 
like that's the difference between like you should be in the AHL and okay, you're actually on the right track and clearly getting better. And that gave me optimism that like, all right, that's how he was after figuring out what the issue was and getting this infection taken care of. Now give him a summer to get even more healthy and get even stronger. Maybe they can get back the old Kevin Hayes. Maybe that's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I I think you're right. But that being said, that doesn't that still doesn't move the needle that much on this team. Like it it helps. It helps. I mean, but Liz, like what? I don't. All right. I don't think that this team is going to be as painful to watch as they were at the end of last season. No, impossible. And like, I don't think that they will be. No, but team, they're still not going to be good. No team could look good without their top two centers and their top defensemen. Two thirds of that appears to be back. Like, uh, I'm the last one who's going to make excuses for this fucking team. I am still very mad at them. Uh, I don't expect. <laughs> still very I d- angry at them. Yeah. I, I do not expect them he to He wants be... to hurt their feelings. I do. I They seriously need their feelings hurt uh, because they've physically pained me the last two seasons to have to sit there and watch them and then talk to... Like, the fans... I started the show off, like, thanking the people who listen to us. There's some sick fucking maniacs out there who tune into my postgame after these drubbings and want to talk about this team. Like, this is a beloved institution in this area, and they're so bad. It, no one deserves it. I feel like they now deserve to feel our pain. But it is a new year, and in the interest of this idea that they could be better than we think, maybe. Like, everyone's saying the right stuff, and part of it is we want to get off to a fast start. Um, Say they do. How well and for how long will they have, like, how well will they have to play and for how long will they have to do it before you think the team has, like, drastically changed either culture-wise or they're better than you think. Like, say they have, you know, they're 500 in October. Is that enough for you? Do you need to see, like, what would it take for you to believe that this team is not horrible? I need a full season. Like, it, it's... I, I need a full season. I will not be tricked like I was in 2020. I will not... <laughs> Go through that again. I need a full season. I need a full season. I would need till, I would say, like, Christmas. If they've been good through Christmas. Disney on ice, baby. That's always the measuring stick. Let's find out where they are during (laughs) Disney on ice. (laughs) When they fuck up in California. That'll be then. Always. There was, I have, so in our Slack, I have, we've got our own um, pinned in our channel, but I also have my own separate set of pins for when people say really funny things. And I found one the other day that Kurt was talking about Rasmus Ristolainen and said he would change his tune on Risto immediately if he hip-checked Mickey Mouse's dumb ass onto Patterson. <laughs> and that was that was directly... About the the uh, Disney on Ice road trip. <laughs> All right, that's a that's a pretty good segue there, Steph. We can do this because I'm trying to fly through because I know you have a hard out. Do you need this Zoom? You. Do you need this Zoom for your? I do oh, not. Okay. No, so I can hop off and you guys just can keep in case. Recording. Uh, but Charlie yep. 
Uh, one of your more recent articles on The Athletic was about Rasmus Ristolainen, what the Flyers' plan should be with him. Um, yep. Subscribe and read it, you fucking cheapskates. We give you all this for free. Uh, go go subscribe to The Athletic. It's like a dollar. Um, if they're going to have... I didn't read all of it. I skimmed it. Uh, just to let you know. I gave you the awesome at the end. I always click awesome, oh, even you. if I don't read all of it. But I'm just trying it, to... Though. I'm trying to think of, like, okay, Ristolainen... We know what, you know, he's not great. He's definitely, even the team that's paying him this money recognizes he's not a top-pair defenseman because when they needed a top-pair defenseman last year, they fucking bumped up Justin Braun, who's 104 years old, instead <laughs> yep. of the guy that they went on, that they gave up a first-round pick for and then gave $25.5 million to. Anyway, yep. if Rasmus Ristolainen is the exact same player, which... He probably is, because we have a huge sample size saying this is what he is, especially at even strength. Say, he just puts up a ton more points than last year. Could you live with it? Because I'm sitting here looking at, one, a just totally talent-free roster. Like, I don't know if you can come up with ten guys to make two power play units that are, like, (laughs) sensical. So, and we know that a lot of times a team will, on the second power play unit, utilize two defensemen. If the chemistry between Risto and Sanheim is so great, and we want to finally, like, I finally want to see Sanheim on, like, some actual power play time. Ellis is a non-factor. Uh, hopefully they get it through their fixed goals that Ivan Provorov is not a power play defenseman. Can we please put Sanheim and Risto on the power play together? And if they're going to be, if Risto's going to be what he is, have him score 20 more points. Like, Yeah, because he can. He's not a stay-at-home defenseman. I know he hits, but he's bad defensively. Very he's bad. actually an offensive defenseman. What if we utilized, oh, he skates so well. Well, well, let's use some of that. Like, let's use that big shot. Let's use his body and his physical presence in the offensive zone. Can they please put him on that second power play unit just to make it make a little more sense that they're paying him $25 million to be a non-factor for half the game? Wouldn't it be cool if they used players' skill sets instead of trying to make them become what they want them to be? That would be cute. Ah, that's a crazy idea. Wouldn't that be cool? It, 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 it all... In all honesty, Bill, like, I don't really care. If they wanted to use Ristolainen on the power play, like, do I think there are better options? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I never love the idea of using two defensemen on a power, on the same oh, power no, play Oh, no, I don't unit. love it. But, like, if they want to, yeah, he can shoot. He's got some offensive zone ability. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it's, like, the worst idea. To me, like, I just don't... It, it's funny, and, like, I know we're, we're gonna, I'm going to have to watch it for another five years, like... I'm just kind of sick of the Rissalainen discourse. And and in truth, it's because, like, he kind of, he is what he is. Yeah. They I'm signed trying him, to maximize so we're that. Ju- we're, like, we're just going to have to deal with it. Like, he's he's yeah. dramatically overpaid for what he is. He's not that good. If you put him with Travis Sanheim, he can be at least passable, even though Travis Sanheim would be a lot better if he was with a better defensive partner. But, like, Sanheim yeah. is good enough that he can make Risto passable. So I guess, like, we're just going to have to live with the fact that they're paying him $3 million a year more than he should be getting. Charlie, you used the uh, phrase, and- you used the phrase for the next half decade in your article. Yep. And I, I, like, I wasn't yelling, fuck you at you. Yeah. <laughs> but I yelled, fuck you, you when I read that. <laughs> you didn't need to say it that way, Charlie. 
Why did you have to? I, I only report the I facts, think there's gang. Also, like, a fair point to be made, just real quick, about Risto is he was not as bad as we expected him Because of Sandheim. Be. Because of Sandheim. He wasn't as good our, as our I expected him to little be. little Travi. Travis Sandheim, who our, we might our Travi, lose who is because our innocent little farm the boy. Cap. Yeah, the best defenseman they have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, cool. I I do have something really quick to say about the Flyers and how you want them to feel the pain that we feel. So I I again I think it's an important distinction: the hockey op side and the business op side. Business ops, oh, they are feeling our pain. They are having a bad, a bad time. time. They are having a bad time. Hockey ops probably not having a bad time because they're run by Chuck Fletcher and they don't look at Twitter. <laughs> Bob Clark and, doesn't and know they how. think they think that they're good, <laughs> yeah. but business ops are having a real bad time. But they also just opened with Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation. They just opened a rink in Kensington, and I think that's fucking no, awesome. I love yeah, listen Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation. I will always uh, that's you know that's a separate thing. I support it. Yep. Just because I hate the team doesn't mean that's not a a really good a really good cause that I very much believe in. Uh, bring hockey to people and they will like hockey. It's, uh, you know, it would help me professionally if there were more hockey fans. We'd make more money. Uh, so absolutely. And Kensington is a great place to put a rink. Like that's like, yes, let's help the kids that live in Kensington not be in the streets of Kensington. Trevor, you go. Uh, real quick, just about their, uh, the social media stuff. Because listen, I'm I'm with you. We shouldn't be dumping on the social media people uh, because they don't run the fucking team. Like Charlie, like people, like people are replying to Charlie. Like, well, they could announce that they added. Like, no, they can't announce that unless <laughs> Chuck can. Fletcher does it. They can't <laughs> make that happen. Like, so the things you want to hear yeah. aren't going to happen. The social media team still has to exist in some realm. I will say, it is a ill-conceived, let's uh, let's call it what it is, fucking stupid idea to have Kevin Weeks, the guy who announces exciting things, announce Star Wars night. Like, yeah. every team does a Star Wars night in all sports, and guess what? No one gives a shit. Like, having the guy who's there who would have announced that Johnny Goudreau is signing, uh, having him announce Star Wars night is fucking mental. It was... They do this a lot. There was a kernel of a good idea there. The execution was just a little fucky. They're, they I, I try. Think, yeah. They try. I, I, I think my, my thing with that is that, like, this again, the anger wasn't at the social media idea. The ang- like, the, Bill's argument as to why the Kevin Weeks thing was bad is that Kevin Weeks is known for breaking big news. Flyers did not give fans the big news they wanted. Therefore, using him was stupid. But, like, again, that's not, like, it's not social media team's fault the Flyers didn't make a big move. Like, yeah, yeah maybe I guess they should have. Well, be they a little self-aware. Yeah, true. But, like, the anger isn't at the social media team. It's at the Flyers for not doing what yeah. you wanted them to do. Yeah. Like, the, the, the reason why a I— a thousand times. You're not mad at Comcast. Yeah. You're not mad at Dave Scott. You're not mad at Gritty. You're not mad at the guy running the social media. You're mad at fucking Chuck Fletcher. That's who you're mad at. 
Like, and Bob and, Clark and, and I think and Paul part, part the reason yeah. part the reason why I like <laughs> jumped in in defense of the social media people, I will freely admit, is because I deal with this a lot too. Where it's like people are pissed off at the flyers, so they yell at me because they yeah. need someone to yell at, and I actually respond to them. You're there. Whereas yeah. if they yell at if they yell at Chuck Fletcher, he's not going to hear them because he's the general manager of a hockey team who doesn't interact with fans on a regular basis. And I'll be honest, it's draining as hell having to deal with that. So I have a natural empathy towards the social media people who are having to get blamed for the failings of the front office when in reality they're just doing their job, which is separate from building a fucking hockey team. So here's the thing. I I do agree with you. But, like, you're not the Flyers. Like, no one should be yelling at you, Charlie. You're a journalist. You're doing you a job. Me, you tell me you're Dave outside. Isaac doesn't make the lines? Yeah, you're outside. The, the person running at NHL Flyers, it is part of their job to get comments from fans. That, that is fair. No, and, pissed and, off. The yeah, one, thing, and, the and, one yeah, time that they turned off the comments was a very bad idea. Very bad idea. Like, you, you, I, they probably don't pay you enough. But whatever they pay you, part of what they pay you for is to absorb that kind of bullshit. If you don't want to read it, don't read it because you're not responding to anybody anyway. Just don't read it. But you have to take it. Like, that's what you got to do. I, I think the distinction on my part, and, and maybe it'll strike some people as a subtle distinction, but to me it's a very big one. If if the if at NHL Flyers tweet something out and a bunch of people respond with Fire Fletcher, like – I hate this team, you know, you guys suck. Like, that to me is fine because fans have every right to express their dissatisfaction with the way the team is run, with the people running the team, with the players on the team, with just their general anger at the state of the franchise. Where it goes too far is when you start telling the specific social media people that they suck at their jobs and are bad and are emblematic of everything wrong with the organization. Because no, you're not mad at them. You're mad at the team. You're just using them as an outlet to be mad at the team. And if you want to use them as just a way to yell general anger at the team that's fine but when you make it personal and you're like no you specifically fucking suck and i hate you that to me is beyond (laughs) the pale and again this is because i have to deal with it like i get people who are pissed off at the flyers and because they're pissed off at the flyers are like you are a fucking terrible journalist you suck at your job your articles are trash you're you're biased in favor of chuck fletcher you're not hard enough on the team if you would ask tougher questions they will be held more accountable. And that's the kind of stuff that drains the hell out of me after a long season. Yeah. So when I see the Flyers social media people getting ripped on for those sort of things and getting that similar treatment, I'm naturally going to feel affinity with them because I think that that is something that fans do on social media and in comment sections that they get angry at an avatar rather than the people who they really sure. should be angry at. And like, I do think that's an important distinction, actually. And like... No one, certain people, Charlie, one, you know, you're both of the Charles Club, so obviously you have a, you have that affinity towards each other. And two, <laughs> unless, it, unless you went into the press conference and gotten his face and said, I hope you get fucking fired, people would go, you're not, you're not hard enough on him. <laughs> like, 
know, (laughs) some people just never be satisfied with that sort of thing. And it's people who don't understand what the job is. I was going to say people who have never had a job. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just a couple of things real quick. I wanted to touch on. Did anyone see this rumor? Cause I just saw it today about Ivan Fedotov potentially signed a contract in the KHL, yes, but like the team and everyone, like everyone's denying it. Yeah, yeah, I think um, that was last is, week. I, yeah, it was, I, last was week. it last week? Okay, I, I saw it that. Pop, it, it popped was, up last, last week, week, and then and then there was some kind of weird like notes app denial from the KHL mm. team. But like, it <laughs> it tracks because the entire reason this happened is because they were punishing him for leaving the KHL. Yeah, team. yeah. So the idea all... that he's being coerced into signing another contract with the KHL team doesn't you know wouldn't surprise me at all my that's what i assumed the end goal was yeah my understanding is that he's gonna have like some type of legal proceeding in russia later this month and then there might be a little bit more clarity as to what happens next Mm. i mean at this point like look it would be really cool if ivan fedotov ended up being able to come over and and give the nhl a shot i'm more just worried about just him the person like yeah. that, like my bigger concern is like, no one even really knows where this guy is. Like, yeah, I just hope he's okay. Like, he's at the North <laughs> Pole, you know, no one fucking knows. Like there, there's, he did nothing wrong here. He just happened to be a really good goalie in a league that started a war of aggression against another country and is now trying to use certain players as political footballs. Like, he did nothing wrong. He's just a pawn in all this, and it freaking sucks. And played for Putin's best friends team. Yeah, yeah. Who didn't want to? Yeah, make. it's and like and that's it's that team, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just this. Let maybe I'm one of. The, does anyone have strong feelings about the Jersey ads? Because I do. I know you do, <laughs> and I, I, I get it, but also it's like. The NHL sucks so bad at promoting its own game and growing it and making money that if this is the only way that we can get a salary cap that allows for a team to be built in a way that makes any sense, then I guess we have to deal with it. Over a billion dollars in expansion fees in the last five or six years, and a jersey patch is going to raise the cap? That's okay. You make a fair point. You can't even see it. Like during the game, what everyone like, I I don't even know how it's effective advertising or anything. Uh, I just got to say it's there. Like you're not going to really see it, but like, you know that it's there. And and a lot of it, a lot of it too, I think is also because when people buy jerseys, it's on there too. So then you see it every time that, you know, you see someone wearing a jersey in the stadium or whatever. That would stop me from buying a jersey. I didn't buy a jersey to support the fucking Royal Bank of Canada. I'll tell you that. I'm not going to wear some advertisement around. Like, that's... A, I would not buy a jersey for that specific... I mean, if it had that on there, I'd say no. I don't want it anymore. Every Philadelphia Union fan is wearing a jersey that says Bimbo on the front. And I yeah. hate soccer jerseys because of that <laughs> shit. It's one of the things that keeps me out on soccer. I'm trying to get in, Kelly. I'm really trying to get in. I've gotten so far in. It's really fun. Um, I, but I do just, like, I hate this so fucking much. I see an ad patch on the Montreal Canadiens sweater, and it's straight-up blasphemous to me. 
Like, that should absolutely be sacred. Like, if the Nashville Predators want a sweater patch, okay. I, 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 but really? Like, the Yankees of fucking hockey? You need a... You're the Canadiens. You don't need to advertise. You're fine. Um, you know the old saying, play for the crest on the front, not the name on the back? Well, now that crest is brought to you by the Royal Bank of Canada. Like, that's just so fucking gross to me. I Like, this one thing I wanted to say, for all WWE's faults, and there are many, and Vince McMahon's a bad guy, all that shit, I'll credit them for one thing. They never sold the canvas in the ring. There are no advertisements on their ring canvas, and there never will be, because that's the sacred space. And I feel like when you put on your team's sweater... That's just different than, like, the boards are the boards. The ice is the ice. That's the team. This is what you play for. It's the thing you don't step on in the fucking locker room, even though it's on the floor. You all gather around it, and no one steps on it. Because it means that much. And now, brought to you by fucking Pico Energy, baby. Like, I just hate it so much. So let me ask you a question. Do you have a problem with, like, the Adidas logo or the Nike swoop or the CCM logo on the jerseys. I, uh, on the bottom ring, on the bottom ring, like where it used to be like the Eastern conference and CCM, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Cause they made the sweater. It's theirs, but like new era hats started putting it. We're not on video, so it doesn't matter, but they started putting the flag on the hat and I think it's stupid as hell. Cause it doesn't matter if you're the only one who makes the hats. You know, it doesn't matter. You don't need to advertise. I already bought the hat. It clearly was effective. <laughs> I just, it, nah. but I, I wouldn't do it personally, but I understand why the maker of the jersey is on there. Yeah. Uh, I just, this is a whole other thing, but I, I do I, have a free advertising idea. And this is really um, why I wanted to get into this whole thing. A local advertiser, like say our friends over at Clear Rum, sponsor a jersey patch. But it's a campaign to keep the jerseys clear of advertisements. We like our sweaters like we like our rum. Clear. You advertise advertise by saying you're not advertising. There we go. That's a good idea. That's so good. So can I I jump in here? Yeah, go ahead. Because I I was not given a chance to actually comment on this. Um, Look, I'm just saying, you guys you guys just kind of took over the conversation. I was just like, I can't really find a spot to jump in. Um, I I don't love it. I think part of it for why I can't muster any real anger about it is that just like, I don't know, this just strikes me as just like the end game of capitalism. Like this is going to happen I, I just... inevitably. Like, like when it, is, is, everything... it, is it good? No, is it good? No, no, it sucks. Because ideally, there wouldn't be ads on the jerseys, and there's always that fear that, like, like one one of my friends made the very good point that, like, this maybe isn't the like awful, but we still should complain and yell and scream about yeah. it j- just to prevent the jerseys from ever going full European where like the entire Jersey is covered in ads. Like, like exactly. this is, this is mildly passable, but like we gotta, we gotta bitch about it because we can't let it get any worse because those jerseys in Europe are abominations, like yeah, utter abominations. I realize everything's a business. Everything's about making, you know, making one more dollar. I just want to know when our saturation point is. Like, the Toyota RAV, the final four minutes, our fucking sponsor. Every save, the save of the game, the check of the... 
what is our saturation point? At what point is the world nothing but advertisements? Like, Kelly, you love Ready Player One. Like, you know, when they're talking about the corporate takeover of the Oasis, and it's like, we found we could fill 80% of the screens before inducing seizure. Like, is that what the saturation point is? Like, when people start dropping dead from the corporatization of America, is that when we find... When is it finally enough? How I much mean, yeah. advertising can we... How corporate does every single aspect of everything in our lives have to be? I get my drugs from corporations now. Like, God damn it. My drug dealer works behind a counter and asks for my ID. <laughs> <laughs> At what point is enough enough? I, I mean, that is a, a very broad conversation that we could have about the I state know, of America. It won't end until the guillotines come out. That's all I can say. I know. It it, it I mean it sucks, but like, you know, there are levels of suckage, and this for me is like a low level suck. Uh, it, but it just wouldn't like it's the continuing, it's, it's a low level suck on top of like a million other things that low level suck. I know, I know. I just, it's enough. <laughs> All right, I go to Models already. Uh, in Philly, you can only get your energy through Pico or some subsidiary of Pico that they call not that company, but it is because they're using the same goddamn uh, equipment. Like, it's this... Uh, leave me alone! It is weird that Pico sponsors so many things. I have no choice in the matter. Yeah. I have to pay you. <laughs> like, yeah, you it, it is fair. Or it, the like, alternatives yeah, what exactly have to pay is them. The point? The well, alternatives exactly? have to pay them because they use their infrastructure. Right. Like there's, they own everything. In fairness, as far as like advertisements go, the Pico power play, like it's, it is, it, like it's it's it exceptional. Is, like Lou Only Nolan, the, Lou Nolan yeah. has yeah. made that a good thing. Yes. Yes. Now, there, listen, and you can do stuff right, like this clear rum idea. There's ways to do things without doing them bad. And this just, like, you know this isn't going to be a Wawa patch or, like, some local business. This is going to be Pico. This is going to be, like, some Ta-ta. major fucking, like, thing. Like, it, yeah, it's going to be StubHub. Like, it, it's going to be something yeah, that... I could totally or DraftKings. Like, something that yeah. doesn't need uh, to penetrate yeah. any more of my brain than it already does. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're done, right? Are we done? Right. Yeah, I think we're done. I think we're done. All right. We're done. And, and that know. is and yeah, <laughs> and that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to click that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a five star review. It takes like ten seconds. Uh, and tell a friend. Maybe do the same thing. Uh, maybe sign up on multiple devices. Spotify. I bet you're not following us on Spotify. Go ahead and do that. All right. Uh, for Charlie, for Kelly, for Steph, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!